Welcome to another episode of the Alamo City Investing Show with your host, Aaron Beal and Jason Lee. This is episode five, and we have a lot of a lot of fun topics today, kind of all over the place, just kind of stuff we're seeing, stuff we have going on, me taking the opportunity to talk some shit, which you'll probably get more of as we go. But yeah, so we've had a you know busy few weeks and want to talk through some of the things we have going on, some of the deals we're doing. And honestly, this will probably be a little more lighthearted and just just kind of a fun episode. So yeah, let's get into it. Jason, let's let's talk about this car wash. We I guess technically we bought it now. So we own a car wash, so it's fun. First time owning uh, you want to jump into that? Yeah, definitely. First time owning a car wash. So this the so far the year's been pretty busy for us in a good way. January twelve contracts and one of which was the car wash. So that one came to us. I think it was a mail piece, like a failed MLS thing. And that's how the, the came, the lead came across. And it was a guy, he, very interesting story. So he listed the property. Was it a year ago, two years ago for 550,000? Only had it up for about two weeks and then took it off. Like two, three weeks, something like that. Yeah. So not long enough to where you really get the full set of buyers eyes on it. But anyways, so this is a car wash that he he owns. Basically, he retired the car wash about four years ago. I think the story was that he was taking care of his uncle, his dad, or someone. And the man's pretty old. I think he's in his 60s or 70s. And so he just couldn't, between the car wash, trying to take care of his family and his own health, he wasn't able to keep up with it. And so he just shut down the equipment and called it quits about four years ago. And the equipment hasn't been turned on since. So... We don't really know anything about car washes, so we just made an offer on what made sense to us. So we ended up locking it up for one hundred ninety-three thousand. And after talking with one seventy-three, one seventy-three. Why not? Oh, I have one ninety-three. You keep saying one ninety-three. I think it's because I wrote it down at one ninety-three. But yeah, one seventy-three. Okay. Let's backtrack a little on that. So, and you know, so obviously, you know, we normally buy houses or lots or just kind of residential properties. But one thing that, you know, is probably a little bit different about how Jason and I operate is like, we literally will look at anything that comes, you know, comes across our desk, right? So if, you know, we accidentally market to something like a car wash, like we're going to look at it, or if we get properties in weird locations, or like last year, we bought a, a small commercial building that was a yogurt shop in Beeville. That was literally like, we just made an offer that was like, cool, just go away, right? And then they said yes, and we bought it for sixty thousand. Sold it for like one ten. Made like forty grand on it on something a lot of people probably wouldn't look at. So one thing that you know we're very different is you know we'll literally look at everything. I like to think that we're humble enough to know when we don't know what we're looking at, and you know know who to call or know you know the right people that may you know hey there's a triple net commercial building. How should we be evaluating it? We haven't done that, but we know people that have. So we kind of look at everything, you know, so that's just kind of backtracking there. So I think we accidentally mailed this place. He wanted way too much for it. We pretty much originally told him like, we'd be around 200. I don't really know. And then months later, he came back and he's like, which we've had this happen a lot lately of people coming back and being like, hey, I'll sell it for significantly less than what I previously wanted. So he came back and wanted like 250. So that's when we're like, eh, it's probably worth a conversation now. So 
just to backtrack, that's kind of how how we got to where we were at with it. And I just looked it up. We we bought it for one ninety three. Did we? I thought it was one seventy three. One ninety three. Sure? I just looked at the HUD. Just fact checking Aaron over here, but whatever. One, I keep thinking it's one seventy three, but whatever. We had one seventy three, but it should be a good deal. So I mean, and the guy came back to us mainly because his car was about to get, be repossessed, and so he needed cash quick. So. We don't normally do this, but on this deal, he was asking for a couple thousand dollars so his car wouldn't get repoed. And so what we did was we actually sent him the earnest money directly to help. And we recorded him everything, had him sign some extra documents and everything like that. But that's the big reason why he was he came back around and was willing to do that lower price because he needed the money fast. Also, don't ever do that. It's not like a good idea. No, not a good idea. In case you're like, I think that's like it's, the, it's the not, first it's time, not maybe the second time we've ever done it across, you know, 150, 200 deals. So not the norm at all. But anyways. Yeah, I don't, I can't think of another time we have, but mm-hmm. it was one of those things where he like, initially was like, I want $30,000. We're like, no. And then it was like 20, no. And then he eventually was like, my car is going to get repoed. And I was like, well, I don't want you to lose your car. So. You know, we, we kind of worked it out with him, but yeah, not a great idea. Not something you should probably do. So we didn't really know too much about car washes. We posted in a couple groups that we're in, asked if anyone was familiar with it. We had one guy that had done car washes before, basically told, told us that we had a smoking deal. So that was very encouraging. And then we also posted it on some Facebook groups to see if we can go ahead and try to wholesale it. And there were a lot of unknowns since equipment wasn't working, so we weren't able to to assign it or do a double close. Uh, but we felt comfortable enough to buy it at 193 because we were pushing it out well above that. And there were interest, I think over over 300,000, I think 300 to 350, there were some interested buyers. No one committed, but there were some interesting people. So we decided that, hey, let's go ahead and lock it up and then we'll put it on the market for the most eyes to see and then kind of go from there. So that's that's kind of where we're at now with it. Yeah, in that we also discovered that there's like a million car wash experts around Central Texas, which is kind of entertaining. So that we don't normally like try to like sell deals on Facebook. I feel like every time we do, we're like, this is an absolute waste of time. Either like it's a good deal and like no one is interested or no one comments or it just somehow doesn't get any eyeballs or it's just like a complete waste of time with like wholesalers, tire kickers, whatever. But yeah, Jason got a lot of fun comments. On this this was another another example why I think posting a lot of those Facebook groups are just a waste of time when trying to move deals. So I posted in probably seven, eight different groups around San Antonio. And all I posted was, hey, we have a car wash under contract. The equipment has not been turned on in four years. We don't know the status, but we just assume that it's going to need repairs and maintenance. And this is what we see other car washes selling for. This is the numbers from four years ago that the seller gave us as far as the NOI or net operating income. We haven't verified them. We don't know if they're real. This is what he told us. Like, we're not saying this is like today's numbers. So that's, that's all we threw out there, right? Like make, make your own informed decisions. And I started getting blown up by a ton of people. A lot of people said, Hey, interested, go ahead and send me the information. And then you just get all these like car wash experts coming out just saying, Oh, well, if if it's not running right now, then you can't go based off the cap rate or the NOI and all this stuff. And I just sat there like, okay, thanks for the input because I'm not about to get into these Facebook arguments with these idiots. But it's not like we were saying, oh, well, you know, this is what this is what the net operating income is. This is what the cap rate is. This is what you should value it at. 
we were just trying to pass along the information that we had. So you just get a lot of the yeah, or they're like, it's not running; it's just at land value, and it's like cool, kick rocks. Yeah, there was my my favorite one was, oh well, there's no income, so the cap rate's zero. That's that's that was my favorite one, and then. You were very, you were very diplomatic. I probably would have gotten arguments with people, but you were just like, "Oh, thank you so much. I'm glad." There's just so many keyboard warriors out there, and there was one guy in particular. I'm not calling any names out, but he was trying to give me this whole lesson over Facebook on how I should value everything, do commercial, all this sort of stuff, which none of it was rocket science. Was this the guy that was gonna, the guy that was gonna help you sell it? No, different guy. And then he gives me this whole lecture about how I'm doing everything wrong. This is not the way to sell a car wash. Terrible deal. All this sort of stuff. And then I said, thanks for the input. And then after that, he has the audacity to say, well, you should, can you still send me the deal though? I'd still like to look at it. Oh, I forgot about that guy. Yeah. But then there was another guy, the one that Aaron was referencing. This was a guy that is very similar, said, Hey, I'm interested. So I sent him some information and then he was trying to basically sell the deal. He's like, Oh, well, I'm, I run this whole investor network and I can get hundreds of buyers eyes on this within seconds and I can have it locked up, but I want you to give me. 50% 50% of the deal or just something ridiculous. And I just stopped responding to the guy. Cause I don't, cause you were like, cool, bring me a buyer. Like, we'll we'll make sure you're paid on it or like add your fee or do it, whatever you want. And he's like, no, I want like 40% split. He's like, you don't even know what we're making on this. But also, I mean, I had other people share it in other groups and I think it just like, I don't know. You should like quickly see that like no one actually buys anything. It like all the, but I feel like I've seen that with a lot of deals. Like we, no, we're not really going to get in this commercial deal, but it's like, I know people that are like, oh, I buy commercial, like you send them a deal and they can't even give you like a number at all. Like, oh, it's just not the deal for me. And it's like, it has to be at some price, right? Like, but there's so many people that it's like, you know, they've watched like Cody Sanchez's like everything and like, oh, everyone wants a car wash until there's a car wash available. And then suddenly like when it comes to actually like, putting up money and writing a check like suddenly everyone's not nearly as bold or as interested as they once were i think i counted i sent over 50 emails that means over 50 people commented gave me their email or messaged me on facebook and gave me their email said they were interested sent over 50 probably closer to 60 do you know how many responses i got from those emails four two i got two responses one guy wanted me to owner finance it and then eventually he stopped responding. And then the other person was a Because that was the one that we were like, cool, we'll owner finance it. Yeah, we said we would owner finance it. It's fine. And then he just stopped replying. Because like you said, when it's time to cut the check or actually commit, they all get scared or just don't want to fall through. And then the other one was a commercial broker, which we actually are still in contact. And she has a client that's interested. And she's they're probably going to come out and take a look. But it's just crazy that... 60 something people said they're interested only two responded it's not even like the other ones responded said hey this isn't for me or hey i have additional questions or can i see it just complete silence and we were like we were priced cheaper than like anything we could find in facebook groups there's one on the market that was like pretty comparable to us that was like pending at like 450 and i think we were trying to sell it like just over 300 like it wasn't like some like outrageous thing it was just like no one, when it came down to it, no one like actually had the balls to even submit some sort of offer. So fun times. So now what are we doing with this thing? So one thing that we tried to be proactive about was 
hey, let's let's get some quotes and see what it's going to take to get this running again. You know, the seller claims that everything was fine when he turned it off three or four years ago, but I'm sure stuff needs, you know, upgraded, fixed, whatever. So we reached out to a few of the different companies that, you know, service car washes or self-serve car washes. They're all backed up because we had a freeze, I don't know, probably three or four weeks ago now. So we were hoping to kind of have an idea of what it's going to cost to get it running before we bought it. But we didn't get that. We felt like we got a good deal, so we bought it anyway. So now, you know, our plan is to throw it on the market, sell it as is, or, you know, we'll f- we'll fix it up, get it running, and then either, you know, sell it once it's running, or maybe we really like it once it's running. So who knows? And I think that's the an example of the power of just buying a good deal. You have multiple exit strategies. Because again, we're not familiar with it. And anything that we decide to actually close on and buy that we're not familiar with, we make sure to buy at numbers that are like extra, extra conservative. So that way we have different options. But and cool, cool. I don't well, know. I was gonna say I don't know if we mentioned this. It was this is a self serve car wash. So like one of those six bay self serve. Yeah, it's like car six bays. It's on a pretty busy street, not my favorite part of town. It's kind of like the southwest side. I mean, it's not like amazing, but it's not like, you know, completely run down either. You know, I'm sure, you know, it gets good traffic and all that stuff. So we'll see. But I feel like we've kind of beat the car wash to death. So on to the next fun thing we have to talk about today. Good old Fremont. Oof. Talk about a meth, meth palace. Yeah. So we bought this. I guess we own it now. This house in Spring Branch. When you get into Spring Branch and Canyon Lake, it's either kind of nice or kind of methy. And those might be like right next to each other. You might have a really nice house and then kind of like some sort of like weird meth situation next door. So it's not like completely uncommon. It's not super fun either. But yeah, so we bought this house. We'll jump into the whole story with it. But we mailed them actually. And then I went and looked at it which I don't do very much anymore, but one of our guys, Mark, was sick. So I went and looked at this house. It was a trailer in Spring Branch. And and I get there and like the the owner's not there, but apparently he lives, it's his mom or his grandma's house. I don't really know which one, but he lives next door. They rent it and they all live in his house, which is this really unique custom built trailer situation that i call the meth castle which is maybe offensive but it's like it's like a fortress like the they have like i don't know some sort of like panel fence thing that's like almost like hardy board or something so you can't like see into the the property at all and it's like literally like a trailer they've built onto like every direction including on top like several levels it's very unique but anyway so the dad walks over and it's like raining and you know, I drove, you know, 30, 40 minutes to see this house. And then he's like, oh, well, we can't get in because the tenant's gone. So we like walk around in the rain, look at the outside of a trailer, which believe it or not, is not super helpful. And then, you know, I kind of just hand it back to Mark because I don't really want to deal with it. And I'm like, he's not going to remember if he talked to me or Mark or whatever. So that was kind of how that started. And then we made an offer on the trailer. We're kind of close on it. We'll probably still buy it. but. Then he called a few days later and was like, wanted Mark to come look at his neighbor's house. And it was this whole like, 
he talks for the neighbor. The neighbor doesn't like communicate with people. It was, it was like very interesting. And I think with a lot of the people that we deal with, there's like, there's like sketchy and then there's like weird. And sometimes like there's like normal weird and sketchy. And then there's like, oh, you're like doing something like illegal and shady. And you're always trying to like figure that out. And, and with this one, we're like, no, we think it's just kind of weird. Like, we don't think it's like, you know, like you're trying to steal someone's house or anything or, you know, breaking the law or anything. It's just, it was just weird. But yeah, so then we looked at the neighbor's house, which is actually like a decent, like probably 80s, what, 80s, 90s build? Yeah, 80s build, uh, brick house, two bed, two bath. Yeah, brick house, one car garage, two bed, two bath, like not a bad little spot. And, you know, we make an offer on her house and then we end up buying it. But it's all this like really. So it was this weird situation. Mark was kind of like, hey, you know, I think something's going on here because the it's like we looked at it and then the neighbor wanted everything to go through him, which isn't super normal. Like we didn't have he didn't want to give us her phone number, her email at one, like was like, oh, I'll make the decisions. And it's like, dude, it's not your house. But then come to find out the reason all of that was happening was she has the son who lives there with his girlfriend and they apparently do a lot of meth and beat their mom. So she's trying to sell the house without them knowing. Did I miss anything there? No, Any- just it kind of gets my blood boiling a little bit that these this idiot son's just abusing his mom and we will get to this point in the story in a bit, but we saw the mom or the seller in person. And she's like this just frail elderly lady. Like literally, I don't know if she can pick up 20 pound dumbbells, 15 pound dumbbells, just so frail. So, well, so the the part of the story too, is apparently she, she had had like a stroke and like could only was like kind of paralyzed on one side for a while. And they still like beat her. Anyway, so that that is the whole like before selling the house situation, right? So real weird, kind of sensitive in the sense of like they really don't want the son to know. And then we were kind of in like, you know, we try to be sensitive to that stuff. But at the same time, we're like, cool, if we're buying a house and have to do an eviction, that's going to look different, right? So, you know, is the house going to be empty? What's the plan for? Because they were like, no, we want to like, you want you to buy it. And then we're going to tell him like, Hey, we don't own the house anymore. You got to leave. And we were pretty much like, you do whatever you want to do. Like if we have to evict people, like we're going to pay less, but you know, if not, like we will close on it and we'll hold funds until we've confirmed it's empty. Cause he said it's going to be empty. That's fine. Which normally that situation is normal. You know, Hey, once we know the house is empty, we'll release the funds. And that's not uncommon. This one was a little special, though. And when it comes to buying houses with squatters in there or just a situation where you have to evict people, make sure you account for that. So, for example, for us, if we're buying something with squatters or where we need to evict a tenant, we probably want it 10 grand cheaper at least, 20 grand cheaper, because it's a whole headache depending on what county you live in. I mean, luckily, Texas is landlord friendly. Yeah, but best case, you're looking at like few weeks to a month to get people out worst case three or four months so that's- if they don't like hire attorneys and get crazy then it can drag on forever mm-hmm. and and, th- but, I mean, all the- and then half the time they just damage the house on their way out so it's going to be in worse condition than when you probably saw it last it- yeah 
all those things. So, yeah. So, you know, fast forward to like, cool, we buy this house, right? And it's it's also interesting because apparently the neighbor, the lady we sold sold to us is mo- now moving in with the neighbor. I don't really know. I don't. We don't ask too many questions on any of this. It's all kind of like weird. It's all just kind of like Spring Branch. You know, you just kind of let it be what it is. But anyway, so the day before closing, the neighbor calls our guy, Mark, and was like, okay, we're getting him out tonight at seven o'clock. We're calling the sheriff and they're going to arrest him because he has warrants. So we're going to tell him, hey, he's at this house. They'll come arrest him. He'll be gone. The house will be empty. And they're like, you guys are all welcome to come watch. Which, <laughs> like, we didn't. But we were like, this this sounds like it could be interesting. And it's like this weird, like, we try to be sensitive to it. But then, like, there's still just parts of it that are, like, funny. And maybe we're assholes. But there's parts that you're like, I can't even make this shit up. Honestly, the next so morning, anyway, the next morning, everyone was, yeah, I know Aaron for sure was checking his phone, maybe on the news and seeing, like, did oh, make, did I was make definitely trying to find it on the news. Yeah. And it wasn't there. Also, we like so we've looked up the sun before. Like we have an app where we can search people's like pretty much any criminal record. It pulls up speeding tickets. It pulls up pretty much everything. Right? It's like an app that realtors are provided as like a safety thing. So, like, dude's been arrested for like possession of meth like several times and assaulting family. Like all like it all checks out. Like it's all there, and we know all this, right? So. Yeah, just as a as a side note, really good for your people if you're buying off market houses and in sketchy situations. The app's called Forewarn. Our local board of realtors provides it for free, but it's solid. We just find ourselves in sketchy situations. Also, you know, I don't know how you feel about guns, but it's not a bad idea to bring a gun. Jason would probably like hate me for that. His California is coming out, but there's just been not often, but there's definitely times when it's like. Mm, it's probably not a bad idea to carry here. I don't know if any of our guys do or not, actually. But random side note. So we try to, I mean, and so, stuff like this, we just kind of like like to have an idea of what we're getting into before we get there. But anyway, so on this, like they, they're supposed to have him arrested at seven or whatever the night before. They call the next morning. They're like, well, didn't get him. He took off running through the woods again and ran away from him. So... But before that, I think I missed a step. At some point, they told us that he agreed to leave and they're going to give him some money. Yep. Right. I think that was two days before that. And we were like, oh, that's a great situation. And then it was like, no, we're going to like call him and get him arrested. And then it was like he you know, took off through the woods and didn't get arrested. And then the next day, Jason and I went up there against maybe our best judgment, decided we were going to shoot stuff for social media. Not of the eviction. We were just, yeah, not, we weren't trying to record this eviction or this arrest going on. We were just trying to, we were, the hope was that the place was vacant and we could go there and maybe shoot some normal content for our social media. Yeah. What we didn't know is they still, they still live there. Right. So the, and then we like got there and the neighbor was like, cool, I'm going to go get him. And we're like, cause I drove by and I'm like, there's a car in the driveway. Like someone's here. And then he's like, cool, we'll go get him. And then we follow him and, you know, he's kind of rowdy and he's, I mean, your typical old man who, oh, you're talking about the, you're talking about the neighbor, the neighbor. Okay. 
The neighbor was an interesting. He character. looks like he lives in Spring Branch. That's all we'll say. You know, shows up in like a shirt with one button and like flip flops and whatever. And then he's like immediately like, you know, I'm a black belt. I'll I'll, I'll kick his ass. And I was like, oh, gosh. And then Jason tries to like joke around with him. And he's like, Jason, like pretty much tells Jason he'll kick his ass, too. Yeah, I think I amazing. said I was like, oh, cool. What are you black belting? Karate, Taekwondo, Jiu Jitsu. And he just looks at me. He's like, I bet I kick your ass, too. <laughs> So, I tried not to laugh, but I just I just turned around because I almost started laughing. Yeah. So then, like, he comes out, and the the sun comes out, and it was all like this really interesting, like ups and downs of like they would be like kind of fighting with each other, and then they would all smoke cigarettes together, like they'd be kind of arguing, and then he'd come out like, "Hey, do you have a cigarette though?" And then they would like share a lighter and cigarette, and they would all like be happy and then like the girlfriend came out like the son's girlfriend and she would like kind of be like arguing with people but then she would want a cigarette it seemed like the one thing that like resolved any problems with cigarettes but that was like the only thing that calmed anyone down so like we're like sitting out there and he pretty much says hey like i'll still give you the money if you just leave the house like you know if you agree to leave like you know these people are buying it they need it vacant whatever so he's like cool i'll do it like i'm not gonna run like whatever so that kind of happens and then but they keep like like they're like we're just watching and then like they're like packing the car and you know grabbing all their belongings whatever like and it was like weird stuff like he like walked out like a bow and arrow like at one like random bag at one point yeah he came and shook my hand and aaron's hand and said you guys are gonna love the house i've been here for 32 years it's a great house yeah it was a great house. You're going to love it. Like it was like a lot of like ups and downs, like, and then the, then the neighbor starts telling us about like how they all do meth and they're super high right now. And, you know, he, he tells us that the girlfriend's a whore and she tries to solicit people on next door and like tells everyone where she lives and she's available and all this stuff. And then she comes out and is crying Cause he's like, she's crying cause he called her a whore. And then they're like apologizing, but he's also like, but you are a whore. It was this whole interesting dynamic. Aaron and I are just standing there the whole time, like not saying anything or really talking at all. And we're just kind of watching this unravel. Cause what do you say in that situation? But the- we're like, kind of like, it's kind of entertaining, but also like just a complete shit show and like sad too. And then like the mom's like in the truck, like watching and like, I mean, it's a, it's a complete mess. Well, you're also on uh, edge too because the, you're dealing with meth heads too, right? So you really never know what's going to happen at any point. Yeah, and they have like meth strength, which like. Well, so then he like walks out. Like I think you briefly mentioned the shotgun, but like the son walks out with a shotgun, and we're like, oh my gosh! And then he just gives it to the neighbor, like, here, I don't need this. And, like tosses it to him. He's like, be careful, it's loaded. We're like, what in the world? <laughs> So he just like throws the shotgun in the back of the truck. And then it's like, then he keeps telling us like how they broke into his house the other day, the neighbor. And like, you know, when you're, when you're fighting people that do meth, you have to knock them out really quick because if they bite you, you'll get hepatitis or AIDS. Like it was this whole like off the wall but he, situation. But he also kept talking like this is a normal Tuesday. Like he's mentioned, he was mentioning multiple times that he had to wrestle him in his backyard oh, yeah. or one time he almost shot him. So 
typical Thursday afternoon for these people. Yeah, this has kind of been going on for a while, apparently. But eventually, like, get him out. He leaves. They go to the bank and, like, he eventually sends us pictures of them, like, signing some agreement to, like, never come back and all that stuff. And then, you know, we get the house. There's, you know, anything you'd think you'd find in this house. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it until we got a call that we still have at least to this point, not resolved of, we got a call from the sheriff. So we later found out that night they had already been stopped and arrested for possession of meth, like within like hours, 12 hours. Right. So from the time they left, they'd somehow already been stopped. Both of them been arrested. And then we got like a mysterious call at like 10 or 11 at night from the sheriff saying like, they think that me, Jason and our social media person were, maybe involved in a felony. We still don't know what that was. We, yeah, I and called back I called back, but it just went to an operating system and I pressed one for a call back from them. So still trying to see what it's all about. I know, Aaron, that that stuff really stresses you out a lot. Just anything Yeah, it's weird. Off. I don't I don't know why. Like the things that stress us out are very different. Mm-hmm. Like the like some like looming thing like that is always like really stressful to me, even though I'm like, we didn't do anything wrong. Like it's fine. But I'm always like, what is it? Like until it like is known or resolved, like I'm just so stressed. For, that stuff doesn't bother you. But then the stuff that bothers you, I don't care about. I think like, for me, it's more anything that has to do with money kind of stresses me out a little bit since I handle more of that. But if anyone wants to stress Aaron out, just text him. Say, hey, Aaron, I need to talk. Can you give me a call? Don't tell him what it's about. Just tell him that and he'll, it'll just, it'll just ruin his hour until you guys talk to him. It stresses him out. Oh, it's literally like I need like a, hey, everything's all right though. Like without that, I'm just like, cool. Like what's going on? Like it will just like drive me crazy. If you're just like, hey, I need to talk. It's important. Nothing else. Fun fact. So yeah, that is the meth drama. So that we, so we currently own it. We funded the deal because the guy was, of course, badgering us to fund the deal. And like I was saying, or Aaron had mentioned before, make sure if you're ever in that situation, make sure you hold the funds or hold the funding until they're out. Cause it really does motivate the sellers to get out of the house or get whoever out of the house. So we finally did fund it. We went in there, swapped the locks, haven't been back since in the last couple of days. So I'm hoping next time we go there, probably not, should go back. there's not those two back in the house. That's the hope. So, and then the plan originally was to go ahead and, and sell it, but we're maybe thinking about taking it down and flipping it ourselves just because we wouldn't want someone else to deal with the whole meth situation if those previous tenants were to keep coming back. So just not a problem we want for someone else, but we'll see. That's all TBD. Yep. Yep. But yeah, so what's next on the agenda? So it looks like this is where probably Aaron's most look forward to topic is internet BS or just the stuff on the internet. I think we kind of touched on some of this when we were talking about the car wash, but being a part of a lot of online communities, a lot of Facebook groups, we see just a whole range of internet fluff and crap that it, like that goes on in these groups. And so I know from, I mean, there's just so much we can talk about. So I don't know what you want to start with first, but um, there's a probably a whole list of examples that we can probably give the listeners. Yeah. It's probably one of those things that once I get started out, I'll probably ramble forever. Like one thing I saw recently, like, 
I guess I in general have this like issue with people not being like open about anything. You know, we've seen a lot of agents that like, regardless of what the market looks like, the market's tough right now. Like, we're not going to tell you it's not, but like, and I think it's an opportunity to be like, Hey, it's a great time to be a buyer. You know, this is what you can do. But people are always just like, oh, it's just great right now. All my listings sell over ask. All my listings, you know, sell within like three and a half hours, you know, all of this stuff, right? And I'm like the person that's petty enough that I will look it up. And, you know, most of these people that, you know, I'm thinking of, it's like, oh, all my listings are pending. And I'm like, okay, I look it up. And I'm like, well, you have two, like, it's not a lot. And they were also on the market for a hundred and 38 days before they're both now pending with the, maybe we mentioned that drops with a few price drops. Usually there's a price improvements, not price drops. But I mean, I think that's the, it, it's like frustrating. Cause I, I feel like if you don't know what's going on in the market, there's a lot of people that the story they're telling is not helpful. It's all just like, Hey, my business is amazing all the time and I'm amazing. And everything I do is perfect, which is just not a reality. And then the other thing that like, I saw recently that, you know, kind of irked me is, you know, people we know talking about their stuff like, hey, we have the nicest flips around. They always sell over ask. We always set new comps in the market, like yada, 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 which like everyone was doing that a few years ago. I mean, I will say like nice, nice stuff. If it's super nice, priced really well, like that still happens. Like we've we haven't had something sell over ask in a while, but we had a flip that, you know, sold full price the first weekend. And honestly, I didn't think it was that amazing. It was decent, but you know, it wasn't anything special, but you know, when people go crazy high end on stuff, like people want nice products. So it's not like completely off the table that something would have multiple offers and sell over ask if it's a really nice flip. But the, the issue is like, literally I like fact check this one, right? Like, oh, we sold multiple offers over ask. And I looked up the listing and it took like 98 days. They price dropped it twice and then it sold. And I'm like, what? None of this is real. And it's like out here. Like anyone can look at this. Like, why are we doing this? I guess my thing is like, just be careful what you see and what you believe because a lot of it's not real. It's fr- and those are just a few of the kind of irksome things I have seen lately. And it's frustrating because who, by just pretending that everything's amazing and you're crushing it all the time, really, I don't know who that's helping, right? Because if someone fact checks you, like Aaron has done with these people, you lose credibility with people, potential people you work with, the people you are working with, you just lose that credibility piece, one. And then two, you're also setting unrealistic expectations for for clients, for buyers, for sellers, pretty much everyone in the market, because all they see is, oh, there's this guy that can, they can sell my house super fast in the next 30 days, right? This is super realtor. And then if you do get that listing agreement and then you sign them on as a client, they have all these high expectations and you didn't set these realistic ones for them. And now they're upset with your services and they're not having a good experience. So I just don't know who, who it's really helping other than people's egos honestly. And then the other thing I was going to touch on too was aside from those people saying everything's great, or maybe along the same lines, 
with the market being tough, we're seeing a lot, a lot more gurus becoming more active or a lot of people all of a sudden becoming more gurus. I've seen multiple people that Aaron and I personally know that are quote, shifting their business. You know, they're, they're, they're focusing on other things right now. They're no longer going directly to off market to seller or off market directly to the seller. And it's just so interesting because it seems like when it's too hard to do deals and too hard to be an operator, everyone just jumps to the education space, trying to be a guru, all that sort of stuff. I'm a part of multiple Facebook groups where it's just thousands and thousands of people across the nation that are beginning investors, all that sort of stuff. Groups that I joined a while back and I don't really post anything. I don't comment. I just kind of monitor. And I've seen multiple people in San Antonio, the gurus of San Antonio start to get more active in those groups. People that, that, that people nationally that don't know who they are, don't know their bad reputations, let's say, they are trying to go after those people. Easy money. Or or a lot of them just like just straight up don't do deals. Like or like everyone's always like, you know, oh, I wasn't like there, you know, there's the shifting my business. Like the person you're referring to is like someone we both know that uh, you know essentially was like wholesaling's hard and now so they like shut down their business because it stressed them out right and then now they try to sling leads or you know sell you leads because apparently they can get leads but they can't get deals i don't it's odd but then there's always the people that are like oh like i just you know i haven't been on the internet because i just have my head down grinding and it's like well your company hasn't done a deal in 19 months so why, what's the story there, you know? And then suddenly you're hosting events and, you know, teaching everyone and doing like 19 figure deals or whatever the hell it is. But yeah, it's it's interesting because like when things get tough, you know, a lot of people wash out. And one of the funniest things that I always see is there's always these gurus out there that have courses. Hey, do you want to make five figures every month, six figures every month? Come join my course. And to your point of like people that like these people don't actually do deals. I like go to their Facebook profiles and they're literally posting statuses like every, every 10 seconds, like they're posting some new Facebook status and it's not like, Oh, it's their social media manager, some VA doing it. It's like this paragraphs long stuff about not even about real estate. It could be about relationship advice. It could be about, you know, what do they call it? Like the horoscope stuff. Like literally nothing to do with like real estate at all. And I'm like, if they have this much time to be posting 12 times a day on Facebook, these like five paragraph things, like they're very obviously not doing deals. And I can't I, imagine the person you're, you're thinking of. Oh, there's a few, but I think you know which one I'm thinking of. But it's just, yeah, it's just so apparent. But unfortunately, like a lot of people can't, can't really see past it. They get sold the dream. They think these people are, have the secret sauce and then they'll go spend however much money to sign up for a course. Yeah. Or there's like, there's people like we know too, that like run meetups and like, we like, you know, f- have found out like, oh, they just did their first deal. And it's like, like, what are you, I mean, not that you have to do deals around meetups, whatever, but it's like, just like tell people like, like you don't have to be like, Hey, I'm like super experienced. Like, but you know, when you're ho- hosting your like, you know, high level investor group it's like hmm, maybe not when you are flipping your first house but i I don't know yeah i feel like we've bashed on a lot of things so let's what 
how do you find the legit people like, like the good operators the good coaches people actually doing stuff like what would you recommend people look out for because obviously we just talked a lot about the stuff we would watch out for but how about if people are looking to get into coaching programs and whatnot what would you say to them i don't i mean so for me i like people who actually talk about wins and losses like you know like cool share things you did wrong like if if someone's only sharing about everything they do right to me that's a little bit of a thing to look out for and some of it's like cool like who who do you know that knows the person you know i feel like there's so much of that of it's kind of a small community i think where people run into issues is when you're you're completely new to all of it like you don't know anyone you don't know it's hard to know like what's real and what's not when you've never done any of it right i think that's kind of where you run into trouble but you know i think it's like connecting with either people you know that know people or talk to people with past experiences on, Hey, is this person like do deals? Like, Hey, are they legit? Are they, you know, a decent person? That's, I mean, that's kind of what I would say on it. I don't know. What do you have to add to that? Yeah, I think that's all good. And then I thought, I think Ryan, Ryan Dossie kind of posted a tweet about this, which I think was really cool was he said, Hey, if you're thinking about signing up and paying someone, like go look at their free stuff first, right? Go look at their free stuff. Go look at, the advice that they give and put that into action. And if you're doing that and that's working and making you money, then obviously, you know, they're giving good advice. And then maybe you take those next steps of paying them, joining their course, whatever that might be. Um, I thought that was, that was pretty good. Yeah. I think that kind of goes back to the like Hermosi quote of like, give away the information, sell the implementation. Like, cool. You should be able to like figure it all out if you have the time to figure it all out, but you should sell the like how to do it not the information. But with that, like, I think the other thing is like, like consistency, like has this person been doing, you know, Hey, you want to get into the group of, you know, people selling this or that, like, have they been doing it for, you know, however long, or are they, you know, selling Amazon stores, then they're selling credit repair, then they're the crypto guru, then they're doing Forex, like, cause there's so many people that bounce around. I would look for like, you know, more of a track record with any of that. Like I saw someone recently and I, I they actually, I, I think are pretty like decent, respectable person, but it was like, it's like creative finance or something. And this person was like, Oh, like I've been trying to figure out, you know, doing these sub two or selling sub two deals or creative finance stuff for the past year, the past three months, I finally figured it out. Now I'm selling a course. And I'm like, you just you had three good months. Like you've been trying to figure this out. And like you, like you like this person literally showed like, Oh, I made 2000. I made 6,000. Oh, this, you know, then I finally made like 30, 40, 80, whatever. Right. But I'm like, you had all these months where you made like $3,000 and you had a few good months and now it's like you're selling it. So I think the big thing is just consistency and track record. And, you know, if someone's jumping around, Oh, I'm selling, cold callers i'm selling this i'm selling that like like where like where's the consistency in that and even i mean you see this with some of the big people too of like i don't know anyone that was selling amazon stores that's like still doing it and proud of it maybe i've missed some but like there's some that have completely blown up and then there's like like even like the ryan pinatas of the world like which who i think would be a pretty respectable person to buy something from he quickly got very quiet about amazon stores and I don't even find, or even his like NFT thing, which 
I, I think he's a respectable person, but like he stopped talking about NFTs real quick when those all tank. So I don't know, even like the people that mean well, you know, I think like the consistency in what they're doing or selling matters. Absolutely. Well, I think we beat that one too. Man, I guess we'll kind of wrap there. We're we're kind of out of time. Anything else, Jason? Any closing thoughts for this week? No, not at all. I, I feel like we touched a little bit on everything. The car wash, you got meth houses in here, just stuff you see on the internet. One thing I'll say just to the last internet piece is for as many bad gurus and stuff that are out there, people that aren't doing stuff, there's a lot of great operators too. So don't necessarily let us make you think that everyone out there is just slime balls that are trying to sell you something. Um, definitely good people out there. It's just most importantly, just go out and connecting, right? Like you could probably figure most of this out. If you start going to meetups, you start talking to people as you make more connections, you'll start to figure out who's legit, who's not and all that. But yeah, I think we, we touched on a lot of different things this episode. Good deal. Yeah. So as always, if you like this, please share it, please like subscribe, leave us a review or rating. All that stuff is super helpful. If you have feedback for us, we'd also really appreciate that. Good, bad, indifferent, anything you would like to see on the show or us talk about, we'd welcome all of that. And then if you want to connect with Jason or I, the best place is probably Instagram. Mine is at Aaron.Beal and Jason is at Investor Jason Lee. And that's all. And we will see you next week. All right. Bye, guys.